Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Attentions to the fact that the, uh, the Overflow Church has entered into a new Kairos season. A Kairos season. That that, that word Kairos is a Greek word, and it, it really has to do with a there, there's there's moments of history where there's destiny on it, where there's there's a grace that that when you enter into the grace of a season, it actually it's like a jet stream that when you when you position yourself into it and you go fully in, it's like a jet stream that can launch you forward and can catalyze you into greater things, into, into things beyond what you can do on your own strength. All right? Now, there's, there's always kairos in, in, the, in, in the work of Christ. He, he always can do things that are supernatural, but there's something about seasons that come along when uh, when we need to really be able to prophetically discern them and know there's something on this, and if I if I don't enter in and engage in this thing, I might miss out on an opportunity to to shift into something that's real special right now. Amen. We're in a Kairos season. We've just entered into it the last few months, and 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 we're, we're, it's not almost over. And here's why: because we're stewarding it. Okay, we're pushing into it. And we're going to keep pushing into it. But we need to steward it. We need to press into it. We need to apprehend it. Because we can't just passively just hope that God's just going to do this thing. And it's going to just fall in our laps. Like we have the responsibility to grab a hold and partner with the Lord. And put ourselves into what he's doing. Amen. God's drawing us into it deeper. And I don't know about you. I think I know, but I can tell you for me, I'm all in. I'm all in. And, and, and we're going into the summer season soon, believe it or not. <laughs> this is Indiana. We're, we're soon going into the summer season, and summers are, are notorious for uh, people shifting their mindsets into vacation mode and, and fun and adventure, and all those things are important. But, but they need to be handled properly because we don't want to disengage with what God's doing because of uh, the, the vacation mode. It can, if we're not careful, that can let us slip into passivity for a season. But I'm all in. I, I want to keep going into this, pushing in more. I, I, God doesn't schedule his revivals around the calendar of when people are traveling and when they're staying home. All right? He, just, he does it when he does it. And, and we just, we want to keep pushing in. But today, I, I want to I speak something to you guys that I feel is a real powerful principle of, of honing in, of, of looking at opportunity and an invitation to step into the, the more of it, okay? I've been, I've been on a series called Posturing for the Presence. And, and we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep posturing for the presence. We're going to keep learning the, the ways that the Lord uh, perceives how we're living our lives that, that create an invitation, a feeling of welcoming of him that, he, that attracts him to come in with the more. Amen? You guys doing all right? Uh, I, how, many, how many of you guys believe that God wants to bring the more of his kingdom to you, even now? And, and so you believe it. How many of you want that? How many of you want it bad enough that you're, that, that you're going to do something about it, not just hope it happens to you? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Good. Well, then we're on the same page. If you could turn over to Max, uh, I almost said Max chapter 6. That's awesome. <laughs> Max 6, please. Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> A few days ago, I was, I was digging into some revelations that God gave me months ago or maybe maybe even over a year ago and 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 it was like fresh revelation for me all over again and I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring you guys into this um, 
a couple of weeks ago, I, I preached a message called Find God in the Testimony. Find God in the Testimony. How many of you guys have been encouraged by that? And, and last week, we had a time where people came up and shared testimonies, and that was awesome. As a matter of fact, my in-laws in Tennessee watched it, and, and they called me the next day to tell me how amazing that church service was. And they were so blessed just to see how the family can be a part of this thing and, and share and, and celebrate together. That's pretty cool, right? Did you guys enjoy that? Yeah. Well, we, we want to we wanna be a, a people of testimony, but we don't want to just be a people who listens and tells testimonies. We want to be people who find God in the testimonies. Amen? And testimonies are invitations into the nature of God, into the, the encounter of the Lord, into the more of God. And today, um, my message is called Explore God's Vastness Through the Testimony. So we can find God in the testimony, but he wants us to go further and explore the vastness of God in the testimony. All right? We're going to go to Mark 6, not Max 6. Mark 6, and I'm going to start with verse 8. Sorry, I'm going to start with verse, yeah, verse 8. This is Jesus calling his 12 apostles together, and he was, he was preparing them to go send them out in twos. And you can read in Matthew, Luke, and John the same story, and you'll get a few different details of the story. Um, I'm, I'm going to do it from Mark right now, though. Verse 8, he commanded them, by the way, before I even go in there, this is when Jesus told them to go into the cities and to preach that the kingdom of heaven is near. Come on. Let me just say it to you right now. The kingdom of heaven is near you. Amen. Come on. Like, let's just open our eyes to that right now. Like, like not Bible, like now. The kingdom is in your midst. Come on. Heaven manifesting right here in our midst. And he wants to bring the more. Amen. All right. So, so he's telling them this, and he's telling them that they're going to go and they're going to take this. Um, and he said, he said, freely have received, freely give. So they're, they're going to not just preach the kingdom, they're going to demonstrate it. They're going to walk in healings and miracles, signs and wonders, resurrections, casting out demons, doing all the stuff that, that it does, right? And so he's, he's preparing them to send them out. And verse 8 says he commanded them to take nothing for the journey, Except the staff. Everybody say, take nothing. <laughs> All right, he says, no bag, no bread, no copper in your money belts. The other versions say, no silver or gold. Another one says, no money. All right, so, so he's basically saying, he's saying, I want you to just take the little that you're wearing and a staff. No money, no extra clothes, no food, and go preach the kingdom. Freely have received, freely give, right? Go preach the kingdom. All right, so they're, they're taking no money. But to wear sandals and, not, and don't even take two tunics, like just the one you're wearing, right? Verse 10, he also said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust. Let's move along. I don't need, that's not going to be relevant to what we're going to say today. And it says, Verse 12, they, they went out, they preached that people should repent. Verse 13, they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. That's awesome. They've spent who knows how long with Jesus watching him do these things. And then, and then there were times when Jesus would let them do it with him. And now it's the first time that he's saying, now that you've seen me, now that you've done this with me, now I trust you. I want to send you out, and you can do it without me, and then we'll come back together, and we'll, and we'll talk about what happened. All right? So he sends them out. And, and then the next section, it talks about John the Baptist getting beheaded. So after they sent them out, another gospel says that Jesus went, and he's, he taught in some places while they were out doing their thing. But John the Baptist had died. That's his cousin. And so when he got news of it, his heart was grieving. And then in verse 30, we're going to skip all that. Go to verse 30, if you guys can read with me there. 
then the apostles gathered to Jesus. So this is after they had re returned from their ministry trip. They gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So, so this is Jesus having, um, to, having telling them what the authority was that he, that he imparted to them, that he delegated to them. And he said, go and do these great things. Spread the kingdom. Let everybody know the kingdom is in your midst. Freely have received. So you have, you have received all these manifestations of heaven. I've imparted them to you. Now you've received them. So go give them, right? And so he sends them out in twos. They go to different villages. After they're done, they all reconvene. And that's what this is. They're reconvening from their ministry trip, sharing the testimonies. Come on. Sharing the testimonies. You can imagine how excited they were about all the great things that they just saw God do through them when Jesus wasn't even with them. So they just experienced the, the increase now. They did it with Jesus. Now they're doing it without him, except that he was with them in spirit, right? That's pretty cool. So they, they entered into the upgrade of empowerment. Pretty awesome. Verse 31, he, Jesus said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and, and ran there on foot from, from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him where they were headed, right? Verse 34, Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having shep a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Verse 37, he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. Can you imagine how they felt right then? You give them something to eat. So you're asking me to do the impossible, right? You're asking me to do the impossible. Can you imagine how much faith Jesus had in them to be able to say, you guys can feed them? Twelve men feeding 5,000 men plus wives and kids. You're telling me to feed these guys, all right? That's a lot of trust from Jesus, huh? Uh, there, there's two sides of this equation. There's the, the human side. What? Like they're freaked out, right? That's a lot of pressure, Lord. On Jesus' side, got this, right? You guys see that? You give them something to eat. And, and they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? And give them something to eat. And we're going to stop right there for a moment. Okay? Because the Lord showed me something in this a little over a year ago when I was reading this story. I never had seen it. Never even heard anybody talk on this before. But he, he honed me in on that 200 denarii. All right? And here's why he wanted me to see the 200 denarii. Because he reminded me. That when he sent them out on this ministry trip, he said, don't take a penny or any dollars with you. Don't take any money. You're going to go with nothing except the clothes that you wear. And I want you to go and preach that the kingdom is in your midst. Freely have received, freely give. And so he sent them on a mission with absolutely no provisions. But when they came back, from their ministry trip, and they're reconvening, and they're sharing their testimonies with the Lord, somehow now they have 200 denarii. They went with nothing. They came back 200 denarii. One denarius equals one day's wages. So they had 200 w days worth of wages amongst 12 people. Do you guys hear me? Because they went with nothing and they came back 
with 200 days worth of wages on a ministry trip. Is that not a miraculous provision? And a, and a, I did a little calculations here. <clears throat> Obviously, we don't know what the wages compared to now, but if you think about modern day, um, you know, I, I just kind of, just for fun, threw out the figure of maybe they made $15 an hour. Could have been $20 an hour. Who knows? But $15 an hour for eight hours a day for 200 days worth of working equals $24,000. All right? Now, 20 bucks an hour, that takes it up to 32,000 bucks. I'm going to go on the low end of that and just stand here in awe with the fact that, th that these 12 disciples had nothing, but they went and did the kingdom work. They, they, they sought first the kingdom and its righteousness, and all these things were added to them. All right? They had nothing, but when they came back, 24 grand or more. That's no small miraculous provision. Isn't that crazy? And so in the context of them coming back with probably more than $24,000 worth because that, you know, some of them had businesses and stuff and were actually pretty wealthy. So if they compare a day's wages with what a normal day's wages was, who knows how much it was. But, but I'm just going to say twenty-four grand worth that's pretty awesome. I, I look forward to the day when I go on a ministry trip and come back with $24,000. <laughs> All right? That, that's going to be a marvelous day. And I'm gonna, my jaw will be dropped if that ever happens. I'm going to be like, Lord, wow, you did that. That's, that's crazy. That they, they had nothing. He didn't give them money for them to go find a way to to shrewdly manage it and turn it into $24,000. They, they had nothing, but they preached the kingdom in your midst, and it manifested in their faithfulness. He blessed them with twenty-four grand. That's crazy to me. And so here they are, out in the middle of the wilderness. They see 5,000-plus people, men plus their wives and kids, a sea of people, and, and they know that they're starving, so hungry, and they're like, Lord, we need to send them away because they're hungry. And Jesus said, you feed them. Wow. And, and, the, and they say, now shall we go and buy $24,000 worth of food? This money that they somehow had that they didn't have before. Give them something to eat. All right. You guys, you guys seeing kind of the context of what I'm trying to set up here? They are wondering how we can take care of somebody. And Jesus is saying, would you please take a look at how I took care of you? Will you please reflect on the fact that you just had nothing and in your obedience to me, I turned it into $24,000? Will you please look at how you went out and you did this and more than likely, it was because people were generously blessing them financially because of, uh, of them bringing the kingdom. It might have been offerings. I don't know. But probably through a natural means. But the Lord provided something to them that was lavish through their obedience. That's a testimony. That's a testimony of God's goodness, his lavish goodness, his faithfulness, his ability to bring something into our midst that we didn't see that we had access to. It's a testimony. We've got to find God in the testimony. Amen? So Jesus was inviting them to observe this great testimony that they just experienced. All this money in their hands, that, that's, that's a manifestation of God's mighty goodness. All right? And he was inviting them to explore God's vastness in the testimony. If we can learn to look at the great things he's done in our midst or in the midst of others that we get to observe and we know that's my inheritance because we're of the same family. 
we can see God in it. The Lord's actually asking us, find me in the testimony, but I want you to look deeper. I want you to see, is there more I can do for you? Do you believe that if I did that, that that is, is a window hole into the expanse of all the things that I can be doing on the other side of this natural realm your, your finite eye is looking at? You guys catching this? So observe what God's already done. What can he do? All right. And so, so Jesus says, how, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And, and they went to find, when they, when they found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. Well, that, that sounds like pretty good odds right there. <laughs> right? We, we, can, we can do something, a great natural work with that to feed probably over 10,000 people. Then he commanded them to make them all sit in groups on the green grass. And John, it, it says that, it says there was a lot of grass in that place, and they sat on the hills. And one time I heard a preacher in Tennessee having to clarify when it says there was a lot of grass in that place, and they sat down on the hill, this is not Woodstock. A lot of grass. Uh, people there thought that was funny. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. So where, so where is he looking? Where, where's the, the source that we're pulling from? It's not, it's not my, it's not our human abilities that we're looking to. It's, I want to look. I want to look deeper. I want to look past this, the, the natural limitations. I want to look beyond it into the place where things are unlimited and heaven is flowing. Amen. Look to heaven. Look to heaven. Not, don't look at the problem. We, our, our problem is we look at the problem. But the solution is to look at the solution. All right, the, the solution is not what we can do on our own strength and wisdom. It's looking to heaven and seeing, can God do this? Will he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? All right? Peering into it, the, 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 the peepholes of how God has done it, the testimony, peepholes into the vast expanse of God's great power and, and abilities and the willing heart. If I can look in there and see, like I don't want to just observe the testimony. I want to stick my head through it and look around and see, whoa, there's way more in here than I understood. Wow, good, look, God, look how, look how big you are. The, the testimony is great, but if that's all we're observing, we're missing the invitation to the more. Let me look at this testimony. Lord, this was awesome, but Lord, who are you? You're so much greater. So much greater. Thank you, God. <laughs> so he, thank, he, he looks to heaven. He blesses the food. So he's, he, the blessing is actually looking to heaven and then pulling the virtue of that place onto something natural. That's blessing. When we bless, we're actually releasing heaven's virtue onto natural things. You guys got to understand the power that he's given to us is so much greater than we have any clue. And we're, we don't just say, God bless this. It's not just a, a nice thing to say. It's actually harnessing a virtue from a realm that's way bigger than we can see with our natural eyes, grabbing that, releasing that onto this natural thing so that, so that the natural becomes supernatural. blessed it, and he broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples to set before them, and two fish, he did the same. They divided it among the all, so they all ate and were filled. He didn't just give them little communion size. Let me hold this with tweezers so we can try to all get a little. They all ate, and they were filled. God's not like just trying to He's not just trying to give us scraps to get us through, to tide us over. Like, he, he gives us until we're full. All right? The, the lavishness of God is, is beyond our, our understanding. 
they were filled, and they took up 12 baskets. So not only was it enough to feed them all to their fill, but then there was 12 baskets remaining full of fragments and of the fish. So there was way more at the end than what they even started with before the miracle happened. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men, all right? That's where that number, so men plus their wives and their children. So there's probably, who knows, probably over 10,000 people there, what a lot of people believe. So uh, this, this stuff just blows my mind because the Lord's asking us, he wants us to explore the vastness of God in the testimony where, where they, they went out and they brought the kingdom with no money and they came back with 24,000 plus dollars that the Lord brought to them, maybe through natural means. And now Jesus is saying, was I faithful to do something way beyond what you could do then? What do you believe that we can do right now? And, and he's saying, I, I, want, I want you to believe that if I could do that in that context, can we believe that I can do it in this context? Because of, of a miracle provision that the Lord brought, probably through, through natural means by people, people's generosity, but that was the Lord who provided. Amen? It was the Lord that provided. But now, now there's this opportunity to do something that's not through natural means. It's through supernatural means. Can you believe that my nature is the same in the supernatural where there's no possible way this could happen as it was when it could have happened by the will of man if they would come into agreement and obedience to me? Can I do it even when things look impossible? I did it for you when it might be in the realm of possibility. Do you believe that I'm still the same? Can you believe me? I'm still the same. I can still show up when you have nothing to bank on or nothing to else you could put your trust in. Amen. And, and he wanted that. He, he told them to feed the people freely have received freely give. So the Lord was inviting them to, to peer through the people. Lord, you, here's, the, here's the testimony. Lord, you, you sent us with nothing. We came back with more than we could have ever imagined. More, more than I probably could have got by five boats full of fish in a week's worth of work. Right? As a matter of fact, more than, more, it was probably about 200 days worth of fish out in the lake, all right? You did this, Lord, for us, but I want to look in. If you can do that, whoa, that was you behind that. Lord, you don't even need, you don't even need the people to take an offering up to provide. You, you don't, five loaves and two fish, 10,000 people, whoa, yeah, you can do that. He's revealing his nature. His nature is not confined to our past experiences. It's not confined to the series of testimonies that we're used to seeing. But if we can see him in that, maybe he wants to show us we can explore his vastness. Maybe he wants to take that and show us if he could do that. What if he can do all this other stuff that you haven't seen the testimony for it yet? Amen? Hmm. I, I wanted to take a, just a, a brief moment here to tell you just a, a little bit of my, uh, one of my testimonies. Mine and Jessica, we got married in Tennessee in 2009. <laughs> Jesus, help me there. 2009. Um, and no, that's not even right. <laughs> I, I was thinking about something that made me have to shift my numbers, and boy, well, I was way off, Jesus. Jessica, forgive me. 2005. Sorry. I was, I was thinking in reverse on a, on a part of my history there. 2005. And, and we were married for, I think it was about a year and a half when we, we moved. God called us to move to Hawaii. Oh, Jesus, are you sure about that? No, it was, it was kind of cool to get a call to move to Hawaii. 
There's a lot of stories there. Um, but, but we knew he's calling us there as part of our pathway to our destiny. And, uh, but bef- I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Hawaii's it's a little more expensive than Indianapolis, all right? <laughs> One of the most expensive places in America to live. And, uh, and, and I wasn't, like, raking in the dough or anything. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I kind of had, like, an entry-level job at a company. And, and the Lord called us to go there, and we knew that the expenses were going to be high. But we also trusted that if God's in it, it's going to happen, right? And, you know, <coughs> one of my mottos is, if it's God's will, he'll foot the bill. All right? If it's God's will, he'll foot the bill. And so, and, and we, up to that time, we'd seen how God has provided for our lives at the level that we've needed provision, but this was a whole other level of provision. And the Lord was working in my spirit, just in my faith, um, that he can provide. And, and he'll provide anything if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, as long as we're walking it out his way and not ours, in his time, not ours, all right? And so, I, I he got me to a place where I was making these declarations that, Lord, even if you called me somewhere that the monthly budget was going to cost a million dollars, like there's no way that I can do that, but I trust you that if you call me to somewhere that it's a million dollar budget per month, you're going to provide it. I have no idea how. Thank God he didn't put me to the test on that one. <laughs> that, that's not where my faith was at all, but I was having to make those declarations because that's who God is, Amen. He's not limited. And, and so, but he was growing our faith, and so we moved to Hawaii. Uh, he provided the money to get us jump-started over there. We had no idea about jobs or anything, and Jessica was going to do an internship and not make money anyway, so it was kind of all on me and Jesus, all right? It was way beyond my, my ability, and, but, but the, the Lord gave me favor with my job that I had no idea this could happen, like two weeks before we moved, and they said, hey, how about let's see if you can telecommute online and work from home, keep your job over there. Praise God, that was crazy. That was a, that was a huge provision. But, um, but on paper, when you're working the budget and you like know how much you're making and how much the costs are, it did not work. <laughs> not even close. But we're like, God, you, we have a testimony of how you've provided so far, and we have your word, so we trust you. And so we went, and let me tell you, God provided. And we never went without one time. We never went into debt or anything. The Lord provided our needs, and he made it work out. It was amazing in ways that we didn't expect. And he provided, and, he, and we were there for two years. He proved to us, I've got you. I've got you because you're in my will. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Praise God. So he, he increased our personal testimony. Lord, you, you showed us you can provide, and you bumped it to a whole other level. Now, I, now our, our faith level has gone to another level with what you can do. And then he called us to move to Redding, California, and, and we had no friends, no job opportunities, nothing. What we did have, uh, we, had, we had two things, the word of the Lord so I'll say we have three things, the word of the Lord, a testimony, and, and then the news saying that Reading was in the 10 worst cities of economy in the entire <laughs> nation, and that people are leaving Reading and California in the droves, all right? And, and, the, and the people are leaving to find jobs because there's no jobs available there. Oh, God, what are you doing to us? But we had a word, and we had a testimony, and we moved there in faith. And he provided. There's so many awesome testimonies in the story, but I'm just kind of just trying to give you a gloss over of how the Lord upped the ante for us. But because we have testimony, we've seen him be faithful. Now we know he's going to show up. And he did. Never got into debt. Never went without. He made it amazing. Praise the Lord. Right? So then we got that testimony. And then, and then the Lord, years later, called us to plant this church, and I resigned from my job at Bethel as a pastor, and, which was um, the, the most secure job and income I've ever had, and, and uh, the wage was, was better, the, the benefits were better, all, and then it's just like awesome, like, 
I was on staff as a pastor at Bethel. Like, that's kind of cool. But he called us to, to, to plant this church. I had to resign that thing. Let me tell you, there was a couple of scary moments in that decision. A couple, yeah. And, uh, and so, w- but we, we, had to, we had to say, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm going all the way with this thing. I resigned, and, and my paychecks ended. And it's like, God, we, you've always provided I want to tell you this part of our testimony. There was a couple of anxious moments in that decision, but not once did we ever believe that we were going to go without. We we it was like it was like Peter when Peter was called onto the water, and Jesus is standing there and he says, "Come to me." And and as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was walking. It was when he took his eyes off onto the scary problem that he sank. So it wasn't his own faith, it wasn't even his own ability that got him on the water. It was locking on Jesus, not looking at the problem, looking at the solution that keeps you in the safe zone, all right? That's how I felt with this whole thing, and the Lord kept saying, come, 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 and we actually felt a grace to not even raise money like the, like like we thought about it, like we could have, as kind of like church planning missionaries. We could have, but the Lord, it, we felt a grace not to, and it was crazy the ways that he provided from un, unexpected places. And, and like within two weeks of me, of my last pay cycle, we had no idea that, that Jessica was going to get promoted at her job and her income was going to bump way up to where it actually brought it back into the place where we could meet our monthly budget. We didn't see that coming. And then when it came time to move here, the, the Lord provided for her in that season um, to, to bring her job with her. But it, but it was cool because where she was working 40 hours at a certain wage, they said how she was going to shift from employee to contracted, but her hourly wage doubled and her hours halved. So she's going to make the, and she's going to work from home instead of commuting. So the same income for half the hour so she could spend the rest of the time with the kids and helping to plant this church, working from home. And, and then the other ways, like other ways that the Lord provided. But uh, my point is he upped the ante every time. But we always had the testimony of how he's shown up, and we've had the word of what we're supposed to be doing in the season. And so we kept moving forward, and he's provided. And I just, I, the Lord has, has, has shown us that the, when, when we look at the ways he's shown up in the past, his faithfulness, we can look at the Lord at it. But we can, we can peek in there and see, wow, God, you're even bigger than that. You can do more than that. And so we could believe for the more. And then just this last year, we did a Nehemiah project. You guys know that. When we, we tried to raise a, a crazy amount of money, in four weeks, five weeks maybe, to, to get into this building. And it was a, I mean, it was more money than it should be to get in this building, but because of all the obstacles that came with it. And the Lord gave us faith for this. In a time when we were in economic recession, the stupidest time to ever try to get a building or to make a financial risk like that. But we had testimony and we had a word. Amen. And the Lord always was showing us, like, we, we need to explore the vastness of God in the testimony. How, God is good. He's been good. But, but he's always asking us, are you just going to be satisfied with seeing my faithfulness this one way? Or do you want to look in and see that he's way, way bigger than that? Amen? And I started off by saying to you guys that, we're in a Cairo season right now, and the Lord is, is trying to beckon us to come deeper. He's trying to beckon us to, to not just be, not, not to stay content with the, the limitations of what we've experienced thus far. We celebrate those, but they're invitations, they're portholes, they're, they're, they're lenses to see God in his vastness. They're, uh, testimonies of his faithfulness could be kind of like lenses on a microscope that you look into it so you can see things up closer, more detailed, the intricacies of God. 
or, or lenses on a telescope so that you can, you can magnify him and see things up closer, see the details of who God is. It's way bigger than just that thing that you experience that you're praising him for. It's an invitation to the more. Amen? And so um, they, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about this on there. Um, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll just say this. We haven't multiplied food yet, all right? We haven't done that yet, but we've seen how God has provided for our needs. And uh, when it made no logical, mathematical sense. It didn't make sense on paper, but he always showed up, fills out the equation himself, all right? And then there's uh, uh, the, the Hi- Heidi Baker, Heidi and Roland Baker have so many testimonies of how God's shown up. How many of you guys know who the bakers are? These guys are people who take the word for, for its word, all <laughs> right? They're like, this is who you say you are. I'm going to believe this is who you are. And so th- I'm not going to read this whole thing, but there's a story um, early on in their, in their ministry with their, in, in Mozambique, um, with their, uh, their orphanage, right? I think this was back in the late, late 90s. Um, the story shows that they started getting persecuted. They had 80 orphans plus their own family. They had two kids. And, the, and they got persecuted. The government started trying to force them to, they can't pray, they can't worship, they can't give out their food. Kind of sounded a little familiar to me. But I'm not going to go there. All right, but, um, but they tried to put a stop on all the things that they were doing. And it says, since Heidi and the children did not obey the new rules, they had 48 hours to leave the property. Heidi was there. She, she's, she was told there's a contract out on her life. So they left um, to their office in the capital city of Maputo. Children gathered in the dining room, church, began to sing and praise and worship. <coughs> At the top of their lungs, they were beaten and told they could not worship God. One by one, they began to walk 20 miles to the city office. Reunited, Heidi, Roland, and the orphans called out to God in total desperation. They had lost everything, and there was no place for them to go, no food to eat. A friend from an American embassy came with chili and rice for the bakers and their two children, so enough to feed four people. Right? They prayed over the pots of food, told the 80 children, the 80 plus children, to sit down, and everyone ate and was full. <laughs> That's crazy. Like it actually really happened in modern day. Pretty amazing. God rewarded their faith, and now, now their property in Pemba is over seven times what was lost in 1997. That's awesome. Yeah, and, she, and Heidi now says the government officials who once persecuted us and beat our children are now thankful for us staying in the country. It's amazing. How could Heidi and Roland have ever dared to believe that chili for four could feed over 80 people? Except that they observed the testimony of the Bible and claimed that as God's nature, God's will, God's able for us right now. Amen? That's audacious. But they were in a pickle. They had to believe, right? We need to explore God's vastness through the testimony, right? Um, what, is, what is supernatural to us is natural to God. Whether, whether he provides through natural means or supernatural means to God, he just provided. It's all the same to him. Like we, we, we categorize things and, oh, well, God can do it this way. I, I believe he'll do it this way. And God's like, hey, I can do it that way. I can do it this way. I can do it this way. I can do it this way. Any way I want and it can, it can come through natural sources or it can come out of multiplying a little and making it a lot. Pretty amazing. 
Like God wants us to shift our belief off of if he did it this way, that's how he always does it. Or to shift our eyes off of, of that, it's, that it's supernatural, so it's going to be rare. But God's saying, it's all natural to me. It's who I was the whole time, if you would dare to believe. Amen? Often the increases of the more that, that we want in our lives that doesn't happen is because we didn't take the opportunities to peer through what he's done and to explore the vastness of who God is. To believe that, he's, that if he can be this, can he also be all of that? If, if he's the God of the impossible, can he be the God of the impossible of this thing right here? All right? And, and so <laughs> the Lord's lesson escalates past this. Doesn't stop with the feeding of the 5,000 plus, all right? It continues. And I, I want to keep going here. Verse 45. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. So they're out in a boat rowing, right? And it was evening time. And, and so, verse 47, when, it, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And I think it was in the book of John uh, on this story, John 16, 19, it says that they were about three or four miles out. So that half, uh, in the middle, they were about three or four miles out, cr- across from the spot that they left at, all right? <clears throat> Verse 48, he saw them straining at rowing for the wind. Oh, wait, I I missed. Where did I miss that at? Sorry, guys, give me a second. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was, was against them. Now, about the fourth watch of the night, okay, the fourth watch would have been probably around 3 a.m., middle of the night. He's on the land. They're out in the middle, three or four miles out, and the wind is blowing so strong against them, so the waves are crashing, and, and probably big ripple waves crashing, and, and they're, they're going up and down, up and down, and there's waves all around them, up and down, up and down, all over the place. And, it's, and they're three to four miles out, and it's in the middle of the night when it's dark, okay? But it says that, it says in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. So, but it said that he saw them out there. He saw them straining. I want you just to imagine this, all right? Because I'm trying to just paint a picture of why this is crazy. I, I've been on top of the Empire State Building, and it's about a quarter of a mile high. And when I looked down, I know Stephanie would love this. Just put yourself there, Stephanie. Look down. All right, quarter of a mile high. I saw the people walking around, and they look like ants. Like a quarter of a mile, they're like this big, okay? And, and Jesus, in the middle of the night, in the dark, saw them three to four miles out. That's 12 times farther than, than what I saw those people looking like ants from the Empire State Building. So how small could that have possibly been out there in a boat? But it's in the dark, and the waves are rippling. So they're, so they're getting hidden behind the waves, up and down, up and down. He saw them. You guys, you guys follow me here? That's, that's no small thing on its own. He saw them, and, uh, and, and that proves that Jesus had, he had prophetic insight to where they were. He could see them in the spirit. Okay, he's, he's honing in. And I want to tell you guys this, that Jesus sees you. Whatever your situation is, wherever you are, he sees you. Okay, and it says in, in Psalm 139 that he knows my, my sitting down and my standing up. And it says that he knows the thoughts of my, my mind from afar off. And it says even if I could go to, 
to Sheol. He's, he's there with me. If I go anywhere, and he's, he's with me. I can't get away from it. And I want to tell you guys that Jesus knows where you're at, and he knows how to get to you. All right? And, and so as they're, as they're out there and, and the waves floating around, Jesus starts walking on the water to get to them. That in itself, because of how dark it was and, and he can't see where people are, is a miracle that he actually walked to them. That in itself is a miracle. I watched Mythbusters once, and they, and they blindfolded them out in a flat field so they could walk straight across. I think it was like a half-mile walk, and they were, like for, they were for sure they were hitting their target. It's so funny because our human minds somehow naturally, when you can't see where you're going, start bending, and you start curving, and they usually would curve all the way back to about where they started, <laughs> blindfolded. All right, that's, that's what happens. They did so many tests, and that's what happens. But, but Jesus, who couldn't see naturally, he knew exactly where they were. And I want to tell you guys that Jesus loves you, even in your condition, even in your situation. He loves you, and, and he's in hot pursuit for you. All right? Like, like you can't help it that Jesus is drawn to where you are, and he's going to pass them by. That means he, he's going to precision getting right where he wanted to be, where, where it's impossible. But he knew how to get to them because his homing beacon for those he loves, he will never miss people. All right? He will never miss you. And Jesus could have stopped the storm before he started his hike. He could have stopped it to make it easier, more pleasant. But he didn't because he wanted to show you that he's in the storm with you. Okay? He's in the storm with you. And he also wanted to, he wanted to get to them so that he could end the storm with them. He was in it with them. He wanted to end it with them. He wanted to do it through intimacy. All right? And so when he gets to them, and they're freaking out. They thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a ghost, and they're, and they're so scared. And, and they all saw him, and they were troubled, deeply troubled. But immediately he talked with them, and he said to them, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And immediately, it says, when he got in the boat to them, the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they marveled. So Jesus, who it would have been impossible for him to find them, except that, God, that he walked in the miraculous. And he chased them down in the storm so he could bring them into the into breaking the storm in their life, okay? And so he, he, says, he says, be of good cheer. So where you're freaked out, and they, 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 did, they thought Jesus was a ghost, and they were afraid of him. They did not want this kind of an encounter. That, that he, he was about to reveal himself to them in a way that was not in their comfort zones. He wanted to show himself powerfully to them, and they did not like this form of how God wanted to present himself to them. How many times are we afraid of how God might show up to me? God, you might make me uncomfortable. I don't remember Jesus ever asking us for the permission, though. <laughs> all right? Like, it's either we're all in or, or he is going to respect us and he might pass us by. All right? But, 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 so, but, but Jesus said, be of good cheer. That means take courage. It means Take joy. Choose joy when you're freaking out and God's trying to show up to you in a way that you might not have expected it. Yield and grab joy right now. Choose joy when you're facing something that's freaking you out. It's your choice, but choose joy. He said, be of good cheer. It is I. And that's the same as him saying, be, take Courage, I am. I am. We know that God's called the I am that I am. Right? I am that I am. Jesus said, I am. I am. Do not be afraid. And, and so Jesus, he, he, uh, 
He tried to, where am I at? He, tr- he revealed himself. So, so they're freaked out. There's the great storm, but he revealed himself. When he revealed himself, he got into the boat with them, and the storm ended, right? Jesus had to change the atmosphere inside of them before the atmosphere around them shifted. So the, the breakthrough of the storm came first with the breakthrough of the heart. What they were, they were freaked out, and Jesus revealed himself in the midst of it. He released joy to their hearts. He revealed himself, it is I. I am. I am that I am. You, you've experienced me one way before. I am the same faithful God that you already knew. Jesus is, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am consistently the same God available to you. I am faithful to you. He shifted their atmosphere, and then the atmosphere shifted. The storm of opposition, it ceased because of the shifting of their demeanor, from the shifting of their belief systems, the shifting of what they were focused on. They shifted so they could behold Jesus, right? But, but their demeanor shifted in his presence. It's the first thing. His presence showed up. All of a sudden, oh, I was looking at the problem. I, I'm looking at the answer now. Their, their demeanor shifted in the revealing of the Christ. Their demeanor shifted in the manifesting of his spoken word. Come on. Do you guys, you guys see that, that Jesus was trying to reveal himself to them in a way they had not experienced yet? So far, like we had the testimony, that they had the testimony, Lord, you are the God who sent us with nothing, but, in the, but we did what you called us to, and you provided us with heaps of financial lavishness because we put your kingdom first. And we walked away with with big pocketbooks that we didn't even expect going into it. Wow. And then, Lord, you're greater than that. Not only can you provide this for us, you can turn bread and loaves and fish and feed 10,000 people. The miraculous coming and and, and it just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving out of a little lunchbox. Keep giving, 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 giving. The miraculous, it never ends. Come on. If there were 20,000 people there, he would have fed them all. Didn't matter how many. I'm just going to keep pouring heaven on earth. It's the blessing of heaven flowing. It's making natural things supernatural. God's big. He, the, the vastness of God is beyond the finite understanding of the ways we've experienced them in the past. But now they're on the boat, and, and Jesus shows up in their greatest fears. They probably thought they were going to drown out there, and they, and they see him show up in a way that wasn't their fun, you, like the, the usual ways. The, 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 new, the new manifestation of the Lord, the new revealing of the Lord, and, and they're freaking out, but he's walking on water. They, they, if they knew who he was, they would have understood that he parted the Red Seas a few thousand years before. But now in his human body, he's walking on top of the water, defying the laws of nature. What if Jesus w- was, was trying to show them, hey, stop putting me in a box I, I can defy all laws of nature. I transcend nature. I'm beyond all this stuff. There's no limitations. And it says the very next verse, after he got in the boat and the wind ceases, it says, verse 52, for they had not understood about the loaves, 
because their hearts were hardened. They were, they were freaking out. And Jesus, his, 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 what he saw in them was they, they didn't get it. They didn't get something that he was trying to reveal to them in the loaves. You mean this, is, this isn't about bread? You mean it's not just about that you can multiply something? It's, you're telling me that, like, like, we look at testimonies and we think, well, he does this, he does this. That's how he does things. And, and, then, and then all we're going to believe is the way that we've seen things before. But he's actually saying, your hearts are hardened. If all you see is that I'm going to do things the way you always thought that I do them, and, and that if you think that, it, that that paints the full picture of who I am, you're missing about 99% plus of all the other things that I've made available to you in the kingdom because you limited me to your ideas of how things come packaged. And Jesus is inviting us to, to recognize the ways that he's revealed himself and the ways that he's been faithful as windows to peer in and to see that God can go way bigger, way beyond the things that I've ever thought of or experienced. And, and we have Ephesians 3.20 that says that God, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The testimonies in the word, it, it, they're supposed to be windows of heaven to look beyond that. To, to, to capture the entirety. God's not just the God who provides money. He's not just the God who can multiply the loaves and the fish. He's the God of miracles. He's the God of miracles. Who would have the audacity to, to dream of miracles that we haven't even seen yet? When, when the, our, our leaders from Bethel commissioned us to come out here, we recently rewatched that video, and they were prophesying over us. And one of the things that Bill Johnson prophesied over us, and I mean Overflow Church directly, that we would experience breakthroughs and realms that are new to all of us. Whoa. Whoo. Realms that are new to all of us. What if, what if that realm that's new to all of us, the, the, what, if, what if Jesus is, is similar to them being in the boat and, and they freak out because they think, this is not the way I've seen you before. This is not the way I expected you to show up before. You're freaking me out. I c this can't be you, Lord. But he says, take courage. It's me. <laughs> Have peace. Like, what, what if he's inviting us to, to step into his nature in a deeper place and to reveal the expanses of God? People have had visions of heaven and storehouses, warehouses up there full of body parts waiting to be apprehended on earth, to, to pull in and, and to release them into bodies Whoa, I feel his presence right now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, I just invite you guys right now to let him touch you. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> I didn't feel like God wanted me to preach this message just to give you guys a, a nice lesson. I, I felt like it was actually God trying to impart uh, understanding to us. The, of invitations to, to take a deeper look on things, that the, it's up to us if we're going to passively enjoy the things that we've been experiencing or to see them as opportunities to press in and to grab hold of something that's beyond where we're at right now. And I believe, I was with my leaders this week for a few days, and we were, we were listening to to recent prophetic words over our church in this season that God has us coming into, and we are in a Kairos season shift right now. 
and, and there's prophetic promises of things that God's put before us. And it's not going to happen by us casually just doing Christianity in church. It's going to happen by us grabbing hold of it together and together pushing in, together laying hold, together doing this thing in unity and saying, yes, I'm all into this thing. I want to go all the way. I'm not going to be casually just letting things try to happen to me. But there's invitations to push in. There's invitations to lay hold of. And the Lord, I just felt like his message today is, is believe me, like see my nature, but then believe that my nature is way bigger, way bigger than what you know. I, I believe that the, the revival that the Lord's wanting to bring, and he is bringing, I, I believe he's preparing us for that, but but. I don't think it's going to look a lot like anything else we've seen. There may be some common things, but God has so much of his nature that's yet to be revealed on this earth. And lambano it. Amen. And someone recently who's a, who's a seer came here. He, we were having a leaders gathering. He came here and he was seeing things in the spirit and and he saw the a strong angelic presence here, which I say, yes, it is. And, and and sometimes we probably experience it more than others. But um, but he he was seeing like a, a stream of glory coming in, and and just God bringing powerful things. And and there's so much he said. I'm not going to say right now, but he said it's going to look like it's going to it's going to have similar manifestations of Azusa Street revival. And I've already been feeling that, and other people have said it, but I don't know. I'm not saying that it's going to replicate it. I'm just saying that if God did it, like we can observe it, and we can honor it, and we can peer into the things he's done and see his vastness and reach out for the more.